0: You're listening to the Shire Fit podcast. This series, Max and Johnny explore how to become the master of your mindset.
1: Hi, team. Uh, we are back with the Shire Fit podcast. I'm a little bit nervous. Johnny can tell he's just um, <laughs> asked me to chill out a little bit. <laughs> um, if you haven't worked out already, Johnny Landells is the new uh, Shire Fit post. Uh, post. Podcast, Podcast host, that's it. Um, Tara would have loved to have been here, but she's obviously a very busy girl at the moment with everything that's going on in North Leeds. Manager S now. Exactly. Yeah. So um, Johnny has stepped up into the plate. Happy to. Although he's kind of failed his first part of the job because he's just informed me he doesn't know how to use the mic, even though he's a professional singer, <laughs>
0: and the PA system. PA system is beyond me. Microphones yeah. are one thing. To be fair, I held it the right way around the first time.
1: True, that is true, which is better than me and Tara did. So um, the podcast guys is back and we're going to do them very differently to how we did uh, the last time. So the first thing that we're going to change is the format in terms of uh, episode to episode. So what we're going to do this time is a series, a block of mindset podcasts, somewhere between six and eight episodes. Uh, We're going to cover everything to do with mindset and we're going to cover different topics every week and that's going to be the focus um, for this next series. Uh, and then we'll shift that direction uh, to something different. The series following will be about movement and we'll keep shifting the uh, focus so we can really dive into topics rather than just um, touching the surface and then moving back out again. The second thing that's changed about the podcast is the actual format within each podcast. So we're gonna, uh, this is a little bit cheesy, a little bit CrossFit, um, but uh, I kind of stole this from Ben Bergeron's Chasing Excellence podcast. I thought it was quite nice and also a good way for our members to relate to the podcast. We're going to do it in a similar format to our classes. So there'll be a warm-up, which will consist of a listener's question that we'll gather on the social media. Uh, the, there'll be a strength section uh, where we will give our take on a popular fitness concept. So me and Johnny will argue it out, battle it out on some popular um fitness concepts and then we're going to finish with the workout which will be our mindset topic. Um, so today, just to give you a quick summary, uh, we have a listener question from Bryony about injuries. We've got uh, the strength section is about um, uh, our take on that you, the popular perception that you have to smash yourself every single time you enter the gym. Uh, and then the workout is on how to overcome lift anxiety. So we're going to start with our listener question, which is from Brian, which was, do you think injury can aid an athlete's overall progression?
0: Yes, I do. Done. Move on. In summary, yes. And I think it's good that this is part of the mindset because it definitely massively matters how you approach your injury because you've got two ways. You've got one. This sucks. What's the point? I might as well not bother because I was doing so well. You know, woe is me, and all that jazz. And there's nothing wrong with having a moment where you spit your dummy out and you know you're upset because it is a frustrating thing. What you then have to do is realize from a common humanity perspective that everybody who pushes themselves in a training function gets injured at one point or another. If they don't, then they're very lucky or genetically just freaks. And and there are people out there, you know, those those are the you know sometimes the best people. But everybody gets injured because you're pushing the limit. The thing then to, to realise is while I got injured, what's exactly wrong? And then what's my approach now of rehab? And what can I focus on to work on that's going to make me better overall? And so your rehab should be a combination of strength based movements that work that particular joint, you know, working with your physical therapist to do that in a progressive manner you can then work on everything else that isn't injured. Let's give a solid example, right? So wrist injury. You can work. Top coffee. You can work around a <laughs> wrist injury, right? It's frustrating and you can't flex your wrist, but if you can keep it in a locked position, you know, what can you do with a straight wrist position that still works your upper body? You know, can you use dumbbells rather than barbells? Can you take out handstand and gymnastic work and work on your shoulder strength? Can you work on your o- opposite side? There's good research to suggest that, let's say you broke your arm, working on your other side. There's good research to suggest there is a carryover effect. So if you're doing single arm bench press or single arm rows, things like that, there's good research to suggest it will carry over to the opposite side and maintain, you know, muscle function there. And then anything else that you can focus on that isn't injured, and you can work on from a strength progression, from a skill progression. There's always going to be loads. I think people get is made when they have a class environment because you can look at a class and go well i can't do any of that but i think it's having the confidence to still go to the class and work with the coach to find alternatives even if it's a completely different movement you're still with the class you're still exercising and you're doing a workout and not using it as a reason not to not to train
1: yeah um absolutely if if you know just going on what johnny said there about those injuries like that's literally what you guys pay for is to have a coach who can provide you with an alternative exercise, ideally similar stimulus to the one that you can't do, but sometimes not, and something that's going to help you progress as an athlete individually. Going back to the original question, two things like really spring out to me, Johnny, um, and one of them is Brent Fikowski's um, massive injury that he had, um, which then the following season he qualified for the Games. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know that story, Brent Fikowski was like a bubble athlete, finished two or one or two spots away from the games for like two years on the pants, didn't he? he was right on the wire and then he had
0: a back injury was it something massive yeah, it was something, yeah
1: something huge and it basically meant that he just had to work on upper body strength upper body pressing strength Was was right. the only thing he could do and it filled in a massive hole that he had because he's quite a he's got a tall limit athlete and athlete isn't he he's like long he's got long levers his pressing his handstand push-ups his handstand walk his gymnastics pressing was poor so um, he worked on that purely during his period whilst he was injured. And then he came back the following season, hadn't really lost that much leg strength, you know, skills, fitness, whatever you want to call it, but had gained in the areas he was massively deficient in because he actually spent time on them. Mm-hmm. And he come back and he, he, I think he won. Did he win the regionals? I think it was, two, it, was, it was 2015 or something. Oh, right. And he won the regionals by a mile. Um, and so in that situation, yes, um an injury aided um, brent wikowski i think the to answer your question a little bit deeper uh i think an injury can aid the athlete's overall progression if the athlete has the great mindset towards oh, that's, the injury. yeah that's what you, yeah. the way you approach it yeah so um the other thing that's sh- stands out to me is a book that i read years ago when i was doing the training think tank movement course which was called the gift of injury <laughs> and um that book it Described all these like major injuries that these power lifters had and how it actually helped them right. figure out things that were wrong with their technique. I or say that? Yeah, so, like is it an imbalance or is it something exactly, wrong? Yeah. yeah, so it the book said that on average it takes something like seven catastrophic back injuries to make a world champion deadlifter.
0: That's so funny, isn't it? I mean, yeah, people would get shit scared
1: of deadlifting to the back. And basically, it was it told stories of how certain athletes had to different technical faults. And Mm -hmm. they came out eventually in a, a, sadly an injury, which Mm -hmm. put them out for whatever a season or six months, whatever. But what it taught them was, right, I'm weak here in this position. My lats aren't strong enough. My um, hamstrings aren't strong enough. My right glutes firing more than my left glute. And Mm -hmm. basically it rectified lots of issues for them. And in the end, that's what it took to actually make them successful. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's roughly seven catastrophic back injuries to make
0: a world champion deadlifter. And it's important to think about like in the I want it now generation that we're in with results that an injury can annoy you because it's like oh man I was making great progress it's going to set me back like you know I need I, you know I want to be good tomorrow and you just think well if you're training for life then you want to be doing this for years and years and years mm. and as you just said there if an injury is actually because something's not right or you've you've got an overuse injury or there's a weaker muscle group that could be supporting a movement and another one's taken over. Analysing that and doing the accessory work on your weaker muscle groups will make you more well-rounded, more bulletproof. And then in the future, you'll be stronger. Like we just said about my wrist. That's the second time I've injured that same wrist. And I've had knee tendonitis in the past. Uh, I've had a hamstring injury. I had a shoulder and elbow injury after missing a snatch uh, at Strength in Depth in 2017, but going through the physical therapist work, and I've used different people in different things, and I've done, you know, James Jowsey's kind of like red pill stuff, so like I've done thousands and thousands of lunges in my time, but all of that has now progressed to a point where I'm still stronger than ever, and still like 12, 13 years on, I'm still lifting weights. Yeah. Like I've not gotten so injured that I've gotten out of the gate. So you do need to approach it with that way of how do I get around this yeah. rather than why has this happened
1: to me? Yeah. Yeah. And and
0: again, that's a, that's a process that you can
1: go through with the coaches. So if you are a, an athlete with an injury at the moment, you know, and you're working around things and discuss this with your coach, like, what can I work on during this period that's going to make me feel better, move better? What's going to stop me getting injured again? You know, and like Johnny says, sometimes it's the little boring rehab exercises in the corner, you know, that... You wouldn't have put time into unless you got the injury It's the stuff you, you don't eat. see
0: on Instagram that actually <laughs> will pay
1: off. Yeah, exactly. Cool. I think that was a um, pretty comprehensive answer. Um, we're going to do a listener question at the start of every podcast, so uh, keep them coming. I'll release the next part of questions for the next episode. So thank you to everyone who answered. Also thank you to Jack Keelan who sent quite a few funny questions. <laughs> uh, keep them coming as well. We get onto the strength section then, which is uh, our take on a popular fitness concept. And the concept we're gonna debunk, demystify today is that you have to smash yourself every time you come into the gym. Um, And there are sort of conflicting uh, bits of information, guidance, advice out there in the fitness industry about this. You know, some people say, you know, if you're not laying on your back at the end of the workout smashed, it's not worth doing. Some people say it's all about intensity, and you've got to hammer yourself. Some people say it's the long game, play it easy. You
0: know, um, you know, where do we start with something like that, Johnny? I think starting with that um, that concept in general of like smashing yourself and um, the concept of intensity as well, because with you know <laughs> my my thoughts on kind of CrossFit HQ aside, that ideology of um, intensity is the metric of success you know like that the definition is constantly varied high you know functional movements performed at high intensity Um, and I think the issue with that is that if you think that only intensity drives results you're going to be in a position where you're always trying to be as intense as possible and I think it's important to understand that there's a time for intensity and then there's a time for like volume and reps and, and strength And intensity is a way to test your fitness. So like a one rep max or a 1K row or a 2K row or what have you. Yeah. Okay. Like if you have an intense block, you're going to peak those things and, you know, hopefully get a PB, but if you're always trying to peak or you're always trying to test, you've actually got no time to train and you're not training what we just, you know, what we just spoke about there in terms of accessory work, strength work. Mm -hmm. Um, we've got here like RPE, rate of perceived exertion. You need time under tension and volume at lower weights, lower intensities in order to train uh, and get better. And I think if you come in every time to the gym and you think, right, I'm going to smash this workout as hard as possible. I'm going to, you know, lift as heavy as I can. What starts to happen is that as you get to that, um, that crossover between intensity and technique is that your technique starts to go because you're just trying to lift as heavy as you can or you're just trying to move as fast as you can. And you'll see this with someone in a workout, like let's say, it's a, let's say it's the classic workout Cindy, right? Five pull-ups, 10 push-ups, 15 air squats, 20 minute AMRAP. And someone goes, right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and get a PB here. They'll fly out of the gate, they'll be moving really well. And then as they get tired, their movement starts to deteriorate. As their movement starts to deteriorate, they'll get more tired because they're just leaking energy. They'll get more fatigued because they're moving worse and therefore their rounds get slower. And you see this kind of curve of like really quick slow, 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 and then slow death, and then they're out. And if if you're testing your time, fair. But if you wanted to use Cindy as a training element, then what you could do instead is, okay, I want to work on moving as well as possible, not leaking energy through movement, and I want to try and go for intraset repeatability. So I want every round to be as close together time-wise, and then that could be your training element. And you're still working out, you're still getting a great workout, but it's not as intense. And the rate of perceived exertion, I think, for most people, for most training sessions should be around that like seven to eight out of hard, out of ten. So if you think about a session being ten out of ten hard, pull it back to two squares in your perceived effort and you've got a good thing. And that will allow you then to have, if you come into the gym and you're tired, you can go at an RPE eight and that will be lower than coming in fresh and being at an RPE eight. But at least you're always listening to your body and you're getting a good training session in rather than, let's say, coming in tired and then thinking, oh, yeah, but it says 80%, 80% back squats, I need to do 80%. But actually 80% for that day for you would crush you. And then all you do is, you, you know, you fail lift, you feel bad, have a terrible day training. Whereas if you took it back listen to your body more, you'd come in, you'd still get a good training session.
1: Yeah. I listened to a podcast on this once, and um, it said sort of something similar to what you just said there with the RPE scale. And then someone asked the question, well, how, how many times a week should we be going, 10 out of 10? Mm. And the guy, not calling anyone out, the guy said, oh, you know, once a week, maximum, maybe mm. once or twice. And I think that actually, actually should be, that's, that shouldn't be an arbitrary number. No. we shouldn't say one or two. No. I think it depends on your life and what's going on, you know. Yeah. If you're in a good, if you're sleeping well, eating well, happy, enjoying your job, fulfilled, you know, rested you could come in and do that three times a week probably you could go 9 out of 10 9 out of 10 10 out of 10 on you know three different days but def, you know but definitely the other way around if you're like stressed you got you're not sleeping well you're not eating well if you're, you're feeling tired you're dragging yourself to the gym you might want well to be hitting five out of tens but yeah getting something done mm-hmm. um, and I think it needs to be regulated by you how you're feeling and um, you know and what your appetite for that you know intensity is yeah um, so my, my sort of take on the this topic is is there's two sides to this and it definitely needs to be balanced yeah if you had to smash yourself every time you come in the gym in order to make results that concept's quite clearly not true, because that would mean if you wanted to if you wanted to like run a marathon really quickly, you'd just go and do just 50 meters. Yeah, yeah. That's time. You the time. yeah.
0: You or you'd just be doing a marathon every day. Yeah. To train for a
1: marathon. Which doesn't which work. Is, no. <laughs> Ineffective, right? So that's obviously not true. The concept's clearly not true. Um, the, the other side is also not true. If you come in and do nothing, go through the motions, super easy. Are you gonna make progress? You know you might but it's going to be very slow um, yeah and it's going to be it's going to be a battle of like whether you're actually enjoying it because you're not progressing you know if you're not progressing then it takes you forever you are actually still enjoying your training I don't know so I would say you need that middle ground of like you're not smashing yourself every day but you are working hard and giving that good intensity like Johnny said somewhere around that seven eight mark regularly every now and then you're pressing go and you're doing the 10 out of 10 effort. And then, you know, when you need to, and when your life depicts it, you can give a two out of 10 and still be happy with that. You know,
0: that's yeah. that's what you've got today. I think that comes down to um, a good element of self-compassion as well from yeah. the person side. Like you just said there, if you've got, you know, you're not sleeping, let's say you've got, you know, you've got two young kids, you've got a full-time job, You've got other things going on. Got one on the way. <laughs> yeah, have got one on the way. <laughs> you know, if, if, if you're not sleeping very That's well... Bad, by the way, yeah. <laughs> thinking bloody hell, Max. <laughs> no, yeah, it's me. Ali and I uh, expecting in, in October so that, you know, the sleepless nights haven't started yet. Um, but, you know, from that from perspective, you know, uh, energy levels being slightly lower, mm. not sleeping as well, you know, not, not getting a full night's sleep. You know, She has to show that compassion for herself then that she's not a full-time athlete, she's not a full-time coach, she's someone who has a full-time job, she's got a, a business on the side, she's growing another human being, she's going to have those days where she comes in and she's low energy, so it's the best thing for her to scale it back, move, flush some blood, lift some weights, great, and then on a day where she has more energy, she can push the envelope a bit more. As you said there, sometimes you do have to push the envelope to know where your limit's at because you may have been coming for the last four weeks and going too easy on your weights, like, oh yeah, I'm not sure I can lift that heavy, so I'm just going to do this, you know, and you're doing sets of, let's say it sets of five strict press, and every set of five you're finishing it and being like, yeah, cool, I've got loads in the tank. It's like, well, maybe push it, push it and see if you can get to a place where you're only just making that fifth rep, and then bring it back a bit, and then you're like, right, that's my new training weight. And this is where logging your scores and progress is so important because then on a week by week or you know, month by month basis you can look at the weights you've lifted if you're feeling good you can then go right okay I'm going to start at that weight I did that time and then see if I can keep the same weight across my sets or I'll I'll increase if it feels good or if you're having a bad day you're like okay I've hit that but I remember that was a good day for me let's see what I can get today I'm going to be compassionate and know that I've got less energy and it's still better to do something than nothing.
1: Yeah and so my last little piece on this is um kind of how our programming as a company or as a brand um, helps you with this so there will be certain sessions where you know you can't really push to 100 percent. you can't give a 10 out of 10 out of based on skill required in the workout maybe the weights required in the workout maybe the movements like for example if it's super high skill it's like let's say double unders, muscle ups and squat snatches, which we rarely program, but let's say it was. You most people would struggle to reach a ten out of ten on that workout because yeah. they're gonna need to rest to hit the muscle ups. They're gonna need to rest to hit the snatches well. They're gonna need to rest because else they'll trip on the double unders, right? So some of these days will be auto-regulated for you by the programming you won't be able to give a 10 out of 10 mm-hmm. other days it might be running and burpee box jump overs i mean that is a clear green sign of like <laughs> you can graft in this one if you want it yeah um, and so the programming also plays a role uh, when it comes to that sort of you can't smash yourself
0: in certain workouts in the, the day no you can see that in the br- in the breathe cycle when you have things like nasal breathing on a conditioning yeah. piece like that is a an, that is a constraint that's put on you on purpose to bring your intensity down. Yeah. And that is because we have the data for aerobic conditioning at the percentage of intensity that should be done at for the best results. And it, and you've got to think then of the adaptation of the training. So your programming does that naturally and I'd say as well, like, you know, listen to the coaches when they give their briefing on the warm up. and and in the workout in, in general right you know we want you to smash this one we want you to go all out or okay we want you to take it back a bit we want you to focus on your technique we want you to focus on your movement as you said if it's if it's full snatches and double unders and muscle ups you can't smash yourself because then you're not getting a muscle up you're not getting a double under you need to take it back focus on your movement quality and then that's a training session because think about it right if you do an EMOM of muscle ups do you want to have a rep where, okay, I can get the rep done, I can recover, and I can get the rep done again, and each rep looks as good as the last one, and you've got then more volume because let's say you do a t- let's say you do a ten minute EMOM with one rep, you've got ten reps there, whereas if you just tried to do ten reps of time, and you got three, you go home with three reps and and the fourth and the fourth one you failed, you failed, you failed out the fifth, the, one. Third, the, one. Third, one, the third one the third one was an awful like chicken <laughs> ring. Yeah. and then you, yeah you tweaked your rotator curve, and you're like ooh. That wasn't a good session yeah. so you've got to realize like skill versus strength versus intensity versus aerobic conditioning and what's what's the purpose of today how should i be feeling
1: yeah cool so that is our strength section guys um if you would like us to give our take on a popular fitness concept and feel free to message the me instagram with your suggestions we've got a few lined up not you jack keeling not jack keeling your band. <laughs> okay on to our workout now guys which is all about lift anxiety so it's something that um a few of our members, well, let's say more than a few, quite, quite a lot of them are struggling with it at the moment. So hoping this podcast gives you a little bit of a framework to um, help you work through that problem. So when I'm talking about lift anxiety, I mean, I've called it lift anxiety, but it could be anything anxiety. It could be goal anxiety, where basically you have um, a goal you try and hit. Let's say, you know, Johnny recently hit a 120 snatch. Let's call it hitting a 120 snatch. Or let's say, for example, you're trying to get your first bow muscle up. Um, It's these big goal uh, achievements uh, that sometimes people struggle with. And, you know, me and uh, Jack uh, were discussing it this week about how sometimes we get members in and we go through all the drills and we do all the practice and they move perfectly. And then we remove whatever it is, the band that was helping them. And we know that they can get one. And we say, right, go on, go for that muscle up and everything changes. It all goes to part they forget the drills they've just done 10 seconds ago and all of that is just down to mindset um, anxiety and basically trying too hard um, and not just letting things happen so uh, what is the framework to deal with that i've broken this down into three phases first phase is pre the event um, and the best way for you to deal with lift anxiety or goal anxiety pre-event is to build proof or evidence that you can do x and um, so um, this comes from, it's been shouted a lot recently on podcast channels, is this whole uh, this stack of undeniable evidence that you are the person that you say you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so what this means is picking your goal, let's say it's a 120 snatch, Okay, there'll be certain things that you need to do before you attempt that 120 snatch that make you believe that you can hit that 120 snatch. Now, they'll be different for each person. It might be you need to hit a triple at... 112. It might be that you need to overhead squat 130. It might be that you need to high pull 120. It might be that you need to snatch balance 120. Whatever. Let's say you write a list of three, five, seven of those little tasks. Let's build that proof before you actually get to that 120 snatch that you can do it. Same applies for a muscle up. It might be that you need to do a chest of bar pull up. It might be that you need to get your hips to touch the bar. It might be that you need to do seven reps on a band, okay, a purple band. You need to be able to do two reps on a red band. Whatever, you need to tick all those boxes so that, as best you can, so that when you get to the event, you go in. I am the type of person who can do this muscle up. I am the type of person who can do this one twenty snatch. And and what goes with that is you can't fake it, can you? You you can't fake like as soon as you believe that you can't do something you won't do it
0: you've lost it you've <laughs> lost it if you if you approach it with like i'm not going to do it yeah that you, you won't do it
1: just even if 10 percent of your body's going i'm not going to get this one to snatch you ain't yeah. going to get it no so you need that concrete belief and then work backwards from problems you know so you know let's say it, it, it is that let's say you want to clean and jerk 100 kilos yeah work backwards what what in your head makes you believe that you can actually do that and then set after those individual tasks, you know, and I won't break down it anymore. Um, the next is during the event. So you're doing your PT with Jack, you know, you're doing your open gym session during the day and you've got that written on your program. One RM snatch or you've got Jack saying, let's go for that muscle What do you do during the event? This is where um, I'm going to use that really overused and corny phrase, which is you need to focus on the process and not the outcome. And what I would change that to, to make it even clearer, is focus on your effort and not the result. So, a lot of people in this situation, they'll go like, I, re- I really want that muscle up. And they'll focus on like, I want to get it, I want to get that muscle up, I want to get that 120 snatch. Um, and they visualise themselves either hitting it or not hitting it. And um, when actually, what I think they should do is try and stay in the moment a little bit more, by pinpointing the exact moment that they need to focus on. So. Let's say it's the muscle up, maybe it's the catch, maybe it's the hip drive towards the bar, whatever. Let's visualize and focus on that and focus on effort. Because when you focus on effort, okay, it removes the result. You can't control the result. You might hear it, you might not, okay? But if you try, you can be proud of yourself either way. And then that removes that like negative feeling if you don't get it. Um, for example, in that inner snatch, yeah, something that I focus on massively is just fight in the bottom. I hate it when the bar just like lands on me and then i lose it forward, right? I want to just, I'll give it everything I can to hold on and i focus on that before I go into the lift. I'm focusing on that in my my mindset. Like, as long as I give effort in that catch position, I'm happy, I'm proud. Whether I hit it or not, I don't care. What I care about is if I try. Um, And that helps me with things. I think people pinpoint the moment that you're going to struggle with, focus on that moment and then give it effort in that moment.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a good point there too to know where it, you might be missing that lift if it is an Olympic lift as you just said there like for you it's personally the the bottom position yeah and, and that being your weakness um, as you said like if you can build proof that you can do stuff through um, certain uh, certain uh, different things sorry about that I thought I'd put my phone in airplane mode um, you know if you can and it is in airplane mode that's interesting <laughs> so if you can focus on you know building that proof with different movements that's really important focusing on the feel is something that I think isn't isn't spoken about enough because with something like a muscle up or a snatch which seems to be the two things we're focusing on yeah you can also say a double up there like the the more complex things within CrossFit but this could be this could be your power clean this could be your um, you know even single unders you know whatever you're struggling with from a coordination perspective it's focusing on how the movement feels rather than trying to focus on all of the different cues so a, a clean or a snatch or a muscle-up, you could say, oh yeah, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this. You know, you've know, you got 10 cues to focus on. Whereas actually, when you're doing the warm-up exercises that you do in a class or with a coach, the progressions, you need to lock down how that progression feels to do, rather than thinking about it logically. So rather than, let's say it's a snatch high-pull, but rather than thinking, right, okay, I need to deadlift it to my knee, and then start to bring my hip through, and then I come up onto my toes, and then I high pull with my elbows. It's like, do it slowly once, focusing on that, and then remember how that felt for your body to move through that motion. How did it feel in your hamstrings? How did it feel in your hips to extend in that manner? How did it feel in your elbows? And then be like, right, I need to recreate that feeling. Your body learns through feeling. It's a very kinesthetic piece rather than logical thought. And it's the logical thought that blocks people. When you said, we know that they can do it. And then we say, right, go and do it. And then they stop, they, they block themselves because it's the logical thought going, oh, I need to remember all of those things that he said or like, oh, but yeah, but I'm not sure that I can do it. And and I, I'm not, you know, I I, I can totally understand why because that's exactly where, where I've been before as well. But you need to focus on how the movement feels. And that's why progressions are so important. You know, that's why snatch titles pulls and overhead squats and snatch balances and snatch pull unders and uh, kick swings and, and hit to hip to bar kips and glide kips and you know scat pull-ups and all those things are so important because it's teaching you the feeling and then it's like right let's recreate that feeling do a banded muscle up and then take the band away and try to do the same thing from a feeling perspective that would be my best advice lovely and then uh finally
1: guys kind of uh, post event so you've gone into the session um and either you've Perform the goal. You've got that muscle up. You've got that snatch, or you haven't. Um, my advice post-event is to leave on a win, and never a loss. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a physical win. It doesn't because it's easier said than done, right? You know, just actually making the goal. And um, it just has to be a mental win. So, and uh, I'll use some examples to try and explain this concept. So, um. An example would be Jack is really good at this, Jack Turner, he'll, set, he'll for example, snatch, um, you know, say his goal is to snatch 125 in this session, he'll snatch 120 and maybe he'll miss 125, but he'll go back and go, well, I snatched 120 and I was wearing shoes, not a limb lifters, so I'll definitely hit 125. So, even though the session is a loss because he hasn't hit hit his 125 which he wanted, he makes a win out of it by saying, next time when I'm in lifters, I'll definitely hit it. That can also happen on a negative um, concept as well. And let's use someone else for this example. I don't know, maybe someone like Tara, who in the past has been guilty of, um, she'll do 10 beautiful snatch repetitions, at you know, 50 plus kilos. And she'll go up to her PB weight, you know, and miss it once. And she'll go, I miss my weight. Session was rubbish. Mm-hmm. and she'll forget the 10 previous beautiful reps that she's done and focus on that one negative negative. and obviously it's something we're trying to work on with Dara at the moment but and she's getting better at it but we need to try and take wins out of the session what did you do well um, and what can you focus on as a win the other thing you can do is actually take a win out of the session right so yeah. let's say for example you go in and your clean's feeling awful um, you know, you're supposed to PB, you're supposed to hit 100 kilo clean, but, you know, you're struggling at night. Why don't we go in, switch the goal a little bit? Can I high hand clean 18 take that as a win for the day? Can I front squat 110 take that as the win? Like, can I still work towards the goal and go, yeah, you know what? Clean weren't great, but I did actually hit, make
0: some progress today. Yeah, I think the important thing there, Max, as well, right, is that there's two points here. We can focus on feel rather than logic, again, in terms of, the weight that we're lifting. And and that's a big anxiety piece for a lot of people, is like, oh yeah, but that's my PB. And they're like, yeah, but you just did 10 reps at five kilos below that. And it's like, and every one of those looked smooth. Yeah. So rather than focusing on the next weight you're lifting, why don't you just focus on how it feels? And and it's hard when you're adding the weight to the bar because you're mentally adding that up. Like a nice thing is to just, you know, go to the States, (laughs) use pounds, and uh, just go by feel because you know rather than converting the pounds to kilos just lift the weight go by feel and see what happens convert it when you're done and that was a big piece for me when i went to the states and you know pb of my front squat because i wasn't paying attention to what i was lifting i was paying attention to how it felt and i was having confidence with confidence with my movement and how i was lifting and that's now how i approach every lifting session you've also got that point i made earlier about the difference between testing and training. If you and I, Max, came in and we were like, right, let's, let's, like, let's link some tin, let's do Olympic total, we'll do one rep max snaps, one rep, rep max cleaner jerk. Well, we'd probably be building weight every rep. We'd start with pretty you know low volume of reps, like maybe a set of five, like an empty barbell, you know, do a warm-up and that kind of thing. And we'd we'd be down to singles pretty quickly because we'd be conserving energy, we'd be just lifting weight, we'd be going every 90 seconds to two minutes to stay engaged and you know, like pumped. But we'd be trying to raise weight every every set, wouldn't we? As long as we were hitting it. Yeah. That's testing. Training is different. You shouldn't be coming in and going, right, let's test my cleaner jerk every week or every, you know, every third day. You should be coming in and going, right, I'm gonna warm up to about eight out of ten hard or eighty percent, and then I'm gonna do five sets of two at that weight. And then next week you're gonna do five sets of two again, and you're gonna go slightly heavier. And then you're gonna go slightly heavier the next week, slightly heavier the next week. And then before you know it, you're doing doubles at what was your old one rep max. Now you've got proof that you can PB, and it goes back to that very point that you made at the start of this workout section. You've built proof that you can do it, and that's training, which is different to testing. And that's why the blocks of training are usually eight weeks long, because you have that amount of time to progress.
1: Yeah, and it, and, and if you're in training mode, everything comes a win, right? Exactly. So like, you train you're training to achieve a hundred kilo clean. If you Three reps at ninety-two, two reps at ninety-five, and one at ninety-seven. Massive. But missed hundred. You're still a win because you've hit. You've hit. Look at all the volume Seven reps above ninety yeah. percent. Yeah. But if you're in testing mode when you come in, you know the session's a loss.
0: Well, and you might you might spend some you might spend a, a short amount of time building up to the weight, and then let's say you have five misses at your PB, and then you're like, oh, crap, I haven't actually that. hit anything. You yeah. haven't actually built any volume yeah. doing anything, and yeah. all you've done is taught your body from a feeling perspective. Had to miss yeah, yeah and that's the important thing as well Is that what we just spoke about in RPE in terms of are you moving well mm. you are better off coming in and hitting that threshold between technique and intensity dropping it back to where your technique is smooth and building volume there and then at the next week raising the weight slightly and seeing if you can still hit that perfect technique is the same thing I talked about in muscle-up EMOMs skill-based EMOMs you are better off learning a skill building volume at that skill with no intensity and then raising the intensity slightly at a lower volume and then, in, you know, raise the volume, drop the intensity, then increase the intensity, raise the volume, drop the intensity, increase intensity. That is the skill ladder progression. And, and all that does is just build that proof that you can do the,
1: do the task. Cool, guys. So, yeah, just in terms of uh, a recap there, if you're struggling with lift anxiety or performance anxiety or goal anxiety, whatever you want to call it, Pre-events, build proof that you can do the task for in your training. During events, focus on your effort and not the result. Um, pinpoint and visualise the moment in which you need to give effort. Focus on your feel um, and, and not necessarily what you need to do to achieve the task. Focus on how it feels. And then post-event, uh, leave the session on a win, uh, a mental win. Uh, never leave the session on a loss
0: thank you for listening to the shire fit podcast with max and johnny don't forget to like and subscribe and we will see you next week for another episode